good morning, everyone. How's everybody on a soggy Sunday? I know, isn't that great? You don't have any idea how much I prayed for that sunshine because we are going to be taking most of the youth group to Weekland Farms to go through the corn maze or the mud maze as it would be today. So this is, this is going to be a fun time, a little, little hayride, things like that for our youth group. So uh, your prayers are appreciated for good weather and for uh, safety as we travel there today. Um, today's lesson is going to be on Nabal and Abigail. And I got to tell you something kind of funny. Pastor Dave and I went out hunting this week and I was talking about what my lesson was going to be. And I said, oh, we're going to get into something interesting a dysfunctional marriage this week. We're going to talk about Nabal and Abigail. And him, as he's drinking his coffee and driving, misheard me. And he asked, who is Mabel and Abigail? <laughs> so it's not exactly Mary and Martha, but Mabel and Abigail. Okay. Um, this lesson is for people who are married. Or people who want to be married. Or people who wish they were not married. <laughs> there are three stages to marriage. There's lust, rust, and dust. And you have to figure out where you're at in that. See, psychologists agree that most ladies tend to marry men that are just like their fathers, which is why I think most women cry at weddings. <laughs> but today we're going to learn about Nabal and Abigail. Let me give you a little bit of background of what's going on here. So King Saul is crazy. He can't stand the fact that God has chosen David to replace him. And he sees um, a, a, uh, a secret mission around every corner, a mission to take him out of kingship. So he is very protective of his kingship. He doesn't want anybody very close to him. In fact, he decides the easiest way to ensure that I'll be king forever, considering David has been anointed the next king, is to kill him. So he is actively trying to kill David. So David is kind of on the run. But he has a group of Green Berets or special forces that were with him throughout all of his battles. And they are with him hiding in different areas around Israel. And so during this time, as you can imagine, they can't go to the corner market. They're not going down to Walmart to get their supplies. They, they're in a bit of a hiding space in, in uh, caves and mountains and things like that. So he, uh, they have to be creative about how they get supplies. And that's really where this story picks up today. If you take your Bible, open it up to 1 Samuel chapter 25. We're going to look at uh, verse 1, and then we'll spend most of our time there. I have uh, one verse that... 
that I'll go to <clears throat> outside of 1 Samuel. Everything else will be on the board, so you should be able to follow along um, pretty easily this morning. Give you a second to get there. All right. I tell our youth group, the 25, 1 Samuel 25. Got it? Perfect. I tell our youth group, before we begin a Bible study, before we even read a word, we want to pray. Why? Well, as, uh, as Jim said, there are a lot of things in the Bible that are right there if you read them. And we read them over and over and over, and we miss it. We don't get it. Who reveals it to us? I thank Jim for his kind words, but look, it's not Pastor Rodney that revealed that to you. That was God. So we ask God to reveal to us what we need for this day and what we can use to change our lives. So will you pray with me? Father, as we begin our study in 1 Samuel, Lord, help us to look outward at what we're going to see with Nabal and Abigail. But Lord, also, let us look inward and see our relationships our relationships to our spouse, to our friends, to our family, and most importantly, Lord, our relationship with you. God, help us to work on that and make that the top priority in our lives. And help us to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 1 says, And Samuel died. And all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose, and he went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel. And the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. Let me just stop there for a quick second. It says he lived in Maon, and he had possessions in Carmel. What do you think that means? He lived in one place. I don't know about you guys, but aren't your possessions where you live? If your possessions aren't where you live, you're either doing one of two things. You're on vacation, or someone stole all your stuff. You see, this guy is so rich. It says he was very great. That doesn't mean he was a chubby guy. It means that he had a lot of resources. He was very rich. And because he was rich, he lived in one place, and he actually had property someplace else. And you saw how many different things he had. It said that he has 3,000 sheep. The sheep need a place to graze. That's Carmel. So he had 3,000 sheep, he had 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of, what does your Bible say? Oh, amen. Is your wife a wife of good understanding? I know mine is, although she shakes her head a lot at me. A woman of good understanding and of beautiful countenance. She is beautiful as she is kind. That's perfect. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings. And he was of the house 
of Caleb. What a contrast here. The Bible is giving you a very stark picture of this marriage, of this relationship. She was pretty and understanding, and he was churlish or harsh and ungenerous. He's basically a jerk. In fact, the name Nabal actually means foolish. That's his name, foolish. Why would you marry a guy named Foolish? Well, we're going to find out. And it says at the very end that he was of the house of Caleb. Now, why would that be important? This stuff is not in the Bible by accident. It's there to give you an understanding. You see, if he was of the house of Caleb, we would call him a Calebite. And the word Calebite is very close in the Hebrew language to the word for dog. So what scripture is telling us is that he was a jerk and he was a low down dirty dog, right? In the same way that we would say someone is from Bulls Creek. If I say that, you, not, not the people from Bulls Creek are dogs. If I say someone's from Bulls Creek, you automatically understand that they're called what? Bulls Crickers, right? I didn't have to say that they're Bulls Crickers. I say they're from the house of Bulls Creek. That's what scripture is trying to paint the picture of. I'm glad that uh, there was no tomatoes brought in this morning. You see? Abigail was married to a jerk. But here's the thing. I said, why would she marry someone named Fool? She didn't. It was an arranged marriage. At that time in history, most of the marriages were arranged marriages. It was done between the father and mother, often when the, when the person was a child, a very young child. So here we see that Abigail, or Abigail was sweet and beautiful, and Nabal was a rich, foul-mouthed, self-centered drunker, drunkard with anger issues. And those are his good points. This guy is terrible. This is the Bible's true tale of beauty and the beast. That's really what this story is all about. Verse 4. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men, and David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him, That liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace unto all thou hast. You see, this is shearing time. And shearing time is a very interesting time in that culture. It is when the money comes in. It's harvest time. And so a uh, lot of activity. You hire extra people to come. There are a lot of uh, festivities. I want you to think, when you think of sharing time, think Thanksgiving. The table groans with delicious delicacies and food and fellowship and all this stuff. I mean, it's just a, a big... Uh, time of celebration and enjoyment. 
That's the time that David is sending his, his uh, messengers in to talk to Nabal. Now, you know how, how our society is. Around the holidays is when you see more giving, right? That's when the people are out with the bells, the kettles, the things like that. If they did that, like June 8th, they would get way less than if they did it Christmas Eve, right? So their hearts are a bit more tender. And if, if, you, uh, if you take a look at tax return time, that's when you see all of the ads on TV for, hey, no money down, buy your new car, right? Because people have more resources at that time. So he knows that Nabal is a rich man. He has the resources. This is a time when people are more generous. The only problem to the equation is Nabal is not generous. He's, he's more than cheap. He's actually a jerk. He asked Nabal to provide meat and bread and water, etc., for his men. And I want to pick up on verse 9. And when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal, according to all the words in the name of David, and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, For David? Absolutely, I'll do that. This is the guy that, that killed Goliath, that took care of the Philistines, that protected Israel. Right? No, that's not what he said. Look what he said. Who's David? And who's the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I, I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I've killed for my shearers and given unto men whom I do not know whence they be? What a greedy, self-centered, and foolish man. How we react to situations of charity is a mirror unto ourselves. Ever look into a mirror and not like what you see? Mirrors don't lie. And fortunately, they don't laugh. <laughs> How we react to those situations is important. This was told to David's men. And they said, okay. They turned around, and they're going to go back. Verse 12. So David's young men turned their way. They went again. They came and told him all these sayings. And David said unto his men, Gird ye every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David girded his sword. And there he went up after David, about 400 men, and left 200 abode by the stuff. They abode by the, the supplies. So there are 600 men. A lot of people think there's just 400 men in David's company because 400 went to confront them. But no, there's 600. 200 are staying back protecting the supplies while 400 men go to attack the house of Nabal. He is going to kill Nabal and every man. Why? Why would it be every man? That doesn't make sense. 
Because David is so outraged that he is literally going to wipe the name of Nabal off the face of the earth. You ever felt like that? You ever felt so, so angry or so vindictive that you just want to destroy everything? Whose sin is that, by the way? Is that Nabal's sin? That's David's sin. That's David's sin. David is feeling that anger, that hatred in his heart. Does God wish anyone to sin? No. So what we're going to see here is God makes a way to stop David in his tracks. And he does it in a way that will touch David's heart and change two lives. This so angered David that he took 400 men with him to forcibly take from Nabal what he had wanted. But one of the men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, and neither we missed anything as long as we were conversant with them while they were in the fields." They were a wall unto us, both day and night, while we were there keeping with the sheep. Now therefore, know and consider what thou wilt do. For evil is determined against our master, and against all his household. For he is such a son of Belial, that a man cannot speak to him. Belial is basically the devil. This guy is saying that Nabal is such a son of a devil... That man cannot even speak to him. It won't get through. But he's burying his heart saying that all the time, Dave and his men, they could have taken whatever they wanted. But they didn't. They protected us while we were in the field. So all the riches and things that Nabal has is really because David was there to prevent someone else from taking them. Then Abigail took it upon herself. And let's see what she did. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, and nearly a bushel of roasted grain, a hundred clustered of raisins, 200 fig cakes, and 12 tacos for Pastor Dave. <laughs> And she packed them on donkeys. She packed them on the donkeys. And then she said to her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal what she was doing. She didn't explain that to her husband. Abigail risked everything for a fool that she didn't even choose. How much will you risk for a marriage that you arranged? She didn't sulk or complain about her problems. She did something. She took it upon herself to go stand in the fray against David. This 
great soldier because she knew that God would protect her. These times of trial come upon everyone. They come upon all of us. So what do we do? I wish scripture would tell us what to do when we're confronted with these kinds of things in our lives. Because these things are hard to deal with. Is there any guidance for us at all? Of course there is. My brethren, James says, count it all, what? Joy. Count it joy when you fall into various trials. That doesn't make any sense. That's how you know it's of God. When it doesn't make sense to man, it's got to be of God. Because the things that he tells me to do is not the way I react. It's not the way I feel, right? Count it joy when these things happen to you. I'm sure Abigail wasn't thinking, oh, I'm so happy that David's coming to kill my family. No, she wasn't. But she, she picked up the stuff and she went out to meet David. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that your testing of your faith will produce patience. Anybody here ever have their faith tested? Oh, I believe in God. I believe I, believe I can do it. And then guess what? You can't do it. It doesn't happen. Ooh. Well, maybe my faith is not what it's supposed to be. Yeah, there will be times when we test, when we have our faith tested. But that's when we need to be even more faithful. Because, Christian, lean in here, because I want you to hear this, because it's not in my sermon. It's not in my notes. Your faith is not about you. It's not about what you can do. Your faith is because of what he can do and what he is. So it's not really your faith. It's just your belief in who he is and what he can do. So when that faith is tested, just go back and realize that he can do anything. That he heals people just by touching the hem of a garment. That he brings people back from the dead. Whether they're physically dead or they're dead in sin, nothing is too hard for our Savior. And our marriages are sort of like tea bags. We don't know how strong they are until they get into hot water. And then we really see what they're made of. Don't be surprised when you fall into those things. Verse 24 of chapter 25 still. She comes out, she meets David, and she fell at his feet. And she said, upon me, my Lord, upon me let this iniquity be. And let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for his name is so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord, whom thou didst send. And therefore, as my Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, seeing that the Lord hath withholden from thee, withholden thee from coming to shed blood, 
and avenging thyself by thine own hand. Now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. Is she protecting Nabal? To a point. But what she's really doing is protecting her family. That is the most important thing to a mom, is protecting her children, protecting her family, protecting them from abusive relationships, protecting them from the world and the influence of that world on their lives. We may have to do that. She is protecting Nabal from his stupid mistake that he made. We may have to protect those that we love from mistakes that they're going to create. This makes great sense when you think about kids, right? We try to tell them, it's probably not a good idea to get that face tattoo. It's not a good thing to do. We give them the wisdom because we know what's on the other side of that. We know that they're going to grow up and, and be regretful. Verse 32, And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to me. He understands that it was God that sent Abigail to him to stop him. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou, which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood and avenging myself with my own hand. Vengeance's mind says, not David, right? Thank you, thank you, thank you, Abigail, for stopping me from taking this into my own hands when they really should be in God's hands. So David received of her hand what she had brought him and said unto her, Go up in peace to thine house. See, I have hearkened to thy voice, and I have accepted thy person. And Abigail came to Nabal. And behold, he had a feast in his house. Ha, surprising, right? He's having a big party. Like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very, what? Drunken. The guy was partying. He was hammered. He, he didn't know that she was gone. He didn't know that she came. So she didn't tell him anything until the next day. But it came to pass in the morning when the wine had gone out of Nabal, that his wife had told him the things, that his, when she told him these things, his heart died within him and he became as stone. And it came to pass about 10 days after the Lord smote Nabal and he died. Basically, when she told him what was going to happen, had a stroke. He couldn't move. He became like a stone. And then he died. And when David had heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal, and hath kept his servant from evil. For the Lord hath returned wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. And David sent and communed with Abigail to take her him to wife. She went from being a victim of abuse to the queen of Israel. That's my God. You think that the situation you're in right now is all that there is. I'm here to tell you that it's not. That he's got something more important in store for you if you listen to him. 
If your husband is playing the fool, turn him over to God. That's what this says. And the definition of hell is literally separation from God. No communication with God. That's what hell's like. Everyone focuses on the fire part, the torment, and the gnashing of teeth. But the real pain is the separation from God. Not having any kind of communication. And the Bible says that we are supposed to submit one to another. Take your Bible. Let's go to 1 Peter 3.7 real quick. We're just about done. First Peter three seven. Husbands, this is some advice for you, so listen up. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, being as being heirs together the grace of life. What's that last part say in your Bible? So that your prayers do not be hindered. This word in Scripture is the same word that's, uh, that could be translated in, um, in tennis. If you're hitting a ball and it hits the net and bounces down, that's that action. If you're playing volleyball and you hit the ball up and someone comes up over the top and smacks it down, that's the action. This is separating you and God. Your prayers do not go up. They're hindered. So you can't have communication with God. What did we say that not having communication with God really is? It's hell. When you are, are at odds and not living in a loving relationship with your spouse, your prayers are hindered. It's literally hell on earth. And some of you have lived through this and you understand, yeah, <laughs> amen. I know what you're talking about here. You see, what, what he is saying is, he's saying, I'm not listening to you men until you make it right with the lady that you've chosen to be the queen of your life. And all the ladies said, Amen. right. But ladies, remember, this was an arranged marriage she was in, right? So don't be so hard on the guys sitting here. Because when we don't be so quick to judge our husbands because the man that you're sitting beside represents the sum total of your good decisions because you chose him. And all the men said? Right, exactly. We all have a place in our relationships. And what we've learned here with Nabal and Abigail is that sometimes men can be foolish. And sometimes women need to step up and protect our families from dumb decisions. 
but it all must be done through the constant um, use of prayer. Inviting God into that marriage is so important. I mentioned this way back when we started with uh, Adam and Eve about the triangle, the eternal triangle. As man and wife, or, or uh, if, even if you're dating, boyfriend, girlfriend, as you draw closer to God, you automatically get closer to each other. So don't try to get closer to each other without getting closer to God, because it doesn't work. It won't work. And it won't feel the same. This is what we need to do. We need to invite God into all of our relationships. And there will be times when you need to go back to the triangle. Now, what's the first part of that triangle? If we take that word <coughs> triangle, it's made up of two words. Try. Yeah, try. You got to try. You got to do something. You can't expect that God is going to bless a marriage that's totally disconnected from him. You can't expect God to fix what's broken without you bringing it to him. We need to do these things. And ladies, if your husband won't, you got to. And men, if your husband's not agreeable, you've got to. You've got to go to God. It is our duty as Christians. And it is what we need to do. Because this relationship is not going to last forever. But this one absolutely will. Will you pray with me? Lord, we've covered so much ground today. And God, we ask that you put your hand upon each relationship, whether it's a, a marriage, whether it's an engagement, whether it's just boyfriend and girlfriend, whatever it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's just a relationship between a Christian and you. I ask you to bless it. I ask you to grow it. Reveal to us the things that are unseen by our eyes, the things that you see. God, don't let us be Nabal. Don't let us be fools. But instead, let us be like Christ. Let us be reflection of the Son. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.